Let's a little bit discuss today's parsha. We talk about first the uh, the sad part that the Egyptians uh, were treating the the Jews uh, very badly. Uh, what else is new? I mean, there was uh, uh, they were treating them very badly, and and then finally, we, as the parsha turns around. Moshe Rabbeinu is born. Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu eventually will turn out to be the leader, the one who's going to take him out. He's going to help him. He's going to save them. He's going to take him out of their misery. So the verse says, as soon as he was born, it says, when he was born, he was born to uh, Yochevet and and Amram, who was his father and mother, from the tribe of Levi. And it says that he was born and she saw Ki Tov Hu, that he is good. Now, what does this mean that she saw he is good? Did you ever see a mom giving birth to a child and doesn't think that the child is good? I mean, what does it mean, Ki Tov Hu? You know, I mean, sometimes the moms, when they have a baby, First thing they want to count all the fingers, the toes, making sure that you know there's nothing, everything is intact. What does it mean, Kitovhu, that he is good? Something unique about Moshe Rabbeinu's birth. We'll discuss the 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 Talmud says brings down two qualities about Moshe Rabbeinu. And really, we'll discuss today, you see what it takes. What is the quality of being a leader? And also, when we talk about a leader, it's because we're also leaders. Some people are leaders of a whole community. Some people are leaders in their home, in their own environment. But leadership is leadership, and we all can learn, and we can all take a message from the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu. So it all starts off in the Pasik that she saw that he was good. So what does this good mean? So the, 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 in the Gemara, the Gemara brings down two opinions. One opinion says that she saw that he was born circumcised. As, that means that in a physical way, he was more complete most cases, by the way, because um, there was this uh, rabbi who was challenged, and he says, "Why do you give? What do you give tzedakah to the poor? If Hashem made them poor, what gives you the right to intervene?" So he answered him, "You know, if it's his child, and sometimes, and you help, you're good to his child." Actually, the king is happy with that. And he said, why do we have to um, change things like we do a bris, or we do change things from the way Hashem has created it, the way Hashem created naturally? And he also answered him by the example of that God created the world in a way that man should put his work his effort in it also to change. God created a perfect world, but he allowed for the peer people to sort of become his partners. 
so that we can also have a small part in Hashem's creation by making the world a more perfect place. That's the idea of a bris, which means even though naturally the person is born without a bris, the boy, but Hashem wants us to make it a perfect world by participating and enhancing Hashem's work. That's what we do. And this is true what we do in all of our work. God created the beautiful world, but He still allows us to participate and for us to make a difference in the world and to make the world even a better place. So the fact that He was born circumcised, what does it tell us? That tells us He didn't need man to make Him better. He was made perfect by Hashem. This represents sort of, most of the time, it's human that have to make the other person. But he, she saw Kitovu, that he's good, meaning that he was born straight from Hashem as a wholesome person. That means physically he was a great person. And the second thing the Medrash says was that when he was born, the whole house filled with light. Everything became light. You know, they have an expression, somebody walks into the room, the whole room lights up. What does it mean that the room lights up? Everything is lit up. So you have the two parts and the two qualities that one has. It's a leader is A, somebody who has reached a very high level themselves, a level of perfection. So in this sense, he was born, circumcised means that he was physically, which also represents that he himself, Moshe Rabbeinu himself, was in a very wholesome, complete, and a high level. But it also represents the idea that it wasn't just him, that his light radiated and he changed around the whole room, wherever he was. Not only the room, the whole house was filled with light. That means that he didn't just become a great person by himself, but rather he made sure that his greatness radiated and spread out to all of the house, everybody else. You know, like they like to say, that in a cold winter night, like tonight, and you're cold, and there's two ways of warming up. Number one is you put on a nice fur warm coat, and then you'll be warm. The other way is, you know, some people in the house, they're, they only keep the temperature at 66 or something, you know, and everybody is walking around, the wife and the kids are walking around, they're shivering and everything, <laughs> and he says it's so expensive to heat the house and everything else, everybody's shivering. But we're put on a coat. What happens you put on a coat? The person that puts on the coat is warm. But everybody else in the house is still cold. But if you put up the heat in the house, then the whole house becomes warm. So everybody, the whole environment. A tzaddik, like Moshe Rabbeinu, he was both. He was wholesome in the sense that he himself was very perfect. and he was, he was a complete person. But he also made sure to share 
from his perfection with all his environment. But the strange thing really here is, it was all on the day that he was born. You know, the Midrash brings down, he says, you know, when sometime a, uh, a boat, in the olden days they would travel by boat. So he says, when the boat leaves the shore, all the family members, you know, maybe some of the family members are going out to earn a living or to go overseas somewhere. Everybody comes to say goodbye, to say to part from the, from the boat who's going. But when they come back, it's not such a big, you know, they just come back quietly. And the Medrash says it's just the opposite. He says, with life. He says, when a person is born, you know, we make a whole simcha, a whole joy, a whole uh, happy, everybody's happy, excited, and everybody wishes mazel tov. Everybody's really excited. But the truth of the matter is, we really have no clue what Hashem has in store for the life of this newborn child. Or further, we don't know what this child is going to choose. Maybe they're going to choose, maybe they're not going to be a good person. Maybe the, the child is going to choose to be, why are we celebrating? I mean, we're not, uh, why are we celebrating birth when we don't really know? It seems the other way around. At the time of, when you're coming back from the journey, when you're leaving the port, everybody is there wishing, well, yeah, fine. But, you know, when you come back and you bring back the merchandise and, you're, and you've succeeded and you've done well, now let's see what you've done. Now we'll celebrate. We'll celebrate your achievements. We'll celebrate your accomplishments. When you're starting out in the world, you don't have any accomplishments because you haven't done anything. You haven't done the journey. You know, a lot of people think that the journey is an easy journey, that there is no bumps on the road, there is no traffic jams, there is no setbacks, there is no disappointments, there is, you know, everybody, when you're young and you have a vision, you think you know you're going to marry the best person, that you're going to have pranosa, you're going to have your children all going to be, everything that you want is going to be perfect, you know, you're, you're imagining. It doesn't always work quite that way, it doesn't always work out, you know, life is, 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 uh, is a journey. You got to know how to navigate the journey. That's not like, uh, not to become depressed from the journey of life, but yet, can you celebrate? Can you say for sure that you know what's going to happen? We don't know what's going to happen. Matter of fact, the verse states in Kohelis, this is Shlom HaMelech says, that the day of passing is better than the day of birth because on the day of on the day of birth we take don't know what the person is when the person has lived a life lived an honest life a life devoted to goodness to kindness to Hashem to Torah to mitzvahs when they pass on it's a reason to celebrate we're going to celebrate the person's life because the person's accomplished. But why are we celebrating? We saw that he is good. It's an interesting thing about Moshe Rabbeinu's birth. 
which the Talmud states, okay, we're already, we're almost by Purim already, and I take a look, it's kind of hard to believe, but uh, we're done almost with the month of Teves, we're in the second half, and Shvat and Adar, so it's, uh, what is it, less than uh, two months to Purim, you know, it's actually less than two months to Purim, we're almost by Purim. So the, the Gemara Talmud states that Moshe Rabbeinu, we know he was born on the seventh day of Adar, now, Haman wanted to destroy the people. So we read in the Megillah that Haman was throwing lotteries. He wanted to know when would be an auspicious, successful time. It's really strange. Here he's trying to annihilate the Jews, and he wants to find an auspicious time. So, okay, when he will succeed. You know, it's like similar like we read about Bilam. He was trying to find an opportunity where God is angry with the Jewish people. Maybe he'll be able to. So he was looking for an opportune time. So he was going through month by month. He couldn't find another opportune time. So when did he, he came to the Yantar, this is Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, this is Hanukkah. Yes, all the time, all, all the good things. I mean, Hanukkah happened before, uh, before, uh, before, no, actually, after, yeah, Hanukkah. So other, other things that, that came in the middle, the Medrash enumerates all the exact, all the dates exactly. But when he came to Ador, he says, in Adar, I have a good opportunity. Why? Because Moshe Rabbeinu passed away in Ador. So that's a bad sign for the Jews. He passed away in Ador. I will be able to succeed, annihilate the Jews, Shalom. I will be able to do my evil plans because it's a bad month for the Jews. <laughs> Hashem says, not so fast. Because what you don't know is that not only did Moshe Rabbeinu pass away on the seventh day of Adar, but he was actually born on Adar, on the seventh day. But the Gemara says a very strange statement. The Gemara doesn't say, well, the passing of a tzaddik, we know, sometimes the passing of a tzaddik is a reason for celebration. The most uh, apparent Case of that is Lagba Omer with the passing of Rab Bar Yochai. We say Rab Bar Yochai is a big celebration. We make a whole big uh, celebration in honor of his passing because he said Rab Bar Yochai said that on the day that he was passing on, he reached his higher ultimate level. And now the Alter Rebbe explains in the Tanya that when a person passes, all of his deeds that he's done all the years, they're all gathered, they all go up together with the tzaddik, all the good things. So the Gemara doesn't say that the day of passing, that Haman made a mistake. He thought that the passing of a tzaddik is a good opportunity for him to make a decree. He didn't realize when a tzaddik passes is not a bad thing. It could be a great thing because then it has a on a higher level. And actually, the Al-Rebbe also says in the Tanya, also says that a tzaddik now, we're talking about the real tzaddikim, I have to uh, say that, you know, today everybody's a tzaddik, but we're talking about our true tzaddikim uh, that are really servants of God so through um, a tzaddik is somebody who, who on the day of his passing is elevated onto a very high level. So Moshe Rabbeinu, the, 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 
the tzaddik, while he lives in this world, he does have some restrictions because he is still in a physical body and he he cannot sort of uh, go beyond it. I like to think to myself a lot of times. I see the the unbelievable you know abilities and talents and genius and in every aspect, leadership and everything. Like I look at the Rebbe and I. The amazing thing is that you never fail to be amazed. It keeps on going and going, growing on you all the time. You think, like somebody once said about the Rebbe, you know, the Rebbe is a is a hidden tzaddik. So the other one said, what do you mean he's a hidden tzaddik? Everybody knows the Rebbe is a tzaddik. Why is he hidden? He says, what you know about the Rebbe is, is, is very real. Most of it is hidden. You actually don't know that much about him. There's a lot more to him than what you know. So what you see, you think that, oh, I know he's a tzaddik. But you, there's, there's so much more. And the amazing thing is, the more you learn, the more you see, and the more you... It's just, you're constantly amazed. But yet, a tzaddik, while he lives in this world, has certain physical restrictions, inhibitions. You know, you can't. You're still a physical body. And that's why the Rebbe made shluchim, and all of us are shluchim to help him do his work, because he's still confined during his physical lifetime. But after the passing of a tzaddik, he doesn't have any more restrictions, because he's no longer bound by his physical body. Just his spiritual being, his neshama is there. And we know that a true leader (coughs) never leaves his shepherds. And this was one of the qualities of Moshe Rabbeinu, why we'll, so we'll talk about why he was a shepherd, and Hashem chose him because he saw the way he treated the sheep that was thirsty, he thought it ran away. He thought it ran away. Let me digress for a second. You know, a lot of times, you know, we look at certain children, and children doesn't only mean young children in age-wise or our children. Children, God's children. You see some people running away. They're running away from Yiddishkeit. They're running away from a life of morality. They're running away from certain things. And we quickly judge them. We say, why do you run away? Why aren't you part? Why are you, where are you running? It says, the Moshe Rabbeinu who saw the little sheep of his flock was running away. And he realized that it ran away to a stream and was drinking some water. He realized that the sheep is thirsty. And he says, Oi, give out, Moshe Rabbeinu said. I didn't realize that the sheep is thirsty. I thought it was running away because somehow it's misbehaving. (laughs) It's not a normal sheep. It's running away. And Moshe Rabbeinu felt so bad that he took the sheep on his shoulder and he carried it all the way back to the herd to be with all the sheep. And Hashem says, if you take such good care of sheep, of man, I'm sure you take good care of my sheep. In other words, the Jewish people, that you'll be a shepherd, a faithful shepherd, and you'll take care of them, and you'll make sure. And this also personifies a lot, you know, of the approach of the Rebbe, where some other people would say, you know, if he wants to run, let him go, you know. Uh, I'm not interested in those who want to run away. If they're not interested in Yiddishkeit, or they're not interested in following the rules, or they don't want to conform, so let them go. The Rebbe said no. 
if a sheep is running, you need something, it misses something. Let me find out. They're thirsty for something. There is something there. And then you realize, you know what? You didn't even know there was something bothering you. There was something beneath it, a lot deeper than what it just appears on the outside, on the surface. And the Rebbe reached out to them. He left the herd, which means they stayed in their place. He sent the shaliach outside into the garden to do and bring him to the water over there to give him something to drink. And then hopefully, once they drink, you can bring them back to the herd. <laughs> you bring them back to Klal Yisrael. You bring them back into the fold. You bring them, you make them all. So but in any event, this idea of a tzaddik, of his passing, is actually, in a sense, a tremendous growth for the tzaddik, that he's no longer restricted by the physical world. He can operate now a lot more. And a real leader never leaves his sheep, just like Moshe Rabbeinu didn't leave. So we know that even when the tzaddik passes, he doesn't leave. This is based on the Zohar, that a road Nehman doesn't leave his sheep, and he's still here with us, shepherding us all the time, making sure that our needs are tended to. And the fact that he's not physically here doesn't take away from it. But then the question becomes, the Gemara doesn't say about Moshe Rabbeinu, well, Haman made a mistake. He thought that the fact that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu died would be an opportunity for him to call, do bad for the Jewish people. It would be a bad time for them. But he didn't realize that with the passing is a good. That's not what the Gemara says. The Gemara says something very different. The Gemara says that he didn't know that Moshe Rabbeinu was also born in Ador. That just like seven days is the, is the passing of, of Moshe, it was also his birth. But wait a minute. So what is the birth of Moshe Rabbeinu going to protect us? We don't know who Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be. How do we know to celebrate? Why would the birth be even greater than the, the day of passing? And the answer is because Moshe Rabbeinu was the exception. Moshe Rabbeinu was the exception. He was the one person that immediately when he was born, you can tell Kitovru that he was good. He was unique, both physically and also in his ability to impact the whole, whole environment. By him, that special quality that he had was something, and he became the first redeemer of the Jewish people, he came to care of them, and that was something that had the tremendous zuchus, with the exception, that was the exception of the rule. Most of the time we say, we don't know what the person is going to be, but by Moshe Rabbeinu we didn't know what he was going to be. He was created, and he was going to be a leader, and he's going to be a leader, the leader, the main leader, then we have what we call the Zohar calls Ispashtusa the Moshe Bechol Dara Every generation has its own Moshe Rabbeinu, has a continuous Moshe Rabbeinu. So Hashem brings the soul of Moshe Rabbeinu into the leaders of the generation, so they become the Moshe Rabbeinu of the generation. But this Moshe Rabbeinu, his birth was unique, was special. What do we see in the Parsha? immediately 
before Moshe Rabbeinu starts to do. So the first thing we read about Moshe Rabbeinu is that it says that he was born, he was good. So we know already he was destined, he was picked, he was chosen by Hashem to be the leader of the Jewish people. But what is the thing that he does? Just like we said before, he takes care of his people. So Moshe Rabbeinu, he had a life, he lived in the palace, he was like being raised by Pharaoh. He had, he was spoiled, he could have everything he wanted. Could have lived a life of indifference, he could live a life of of apathy, say, look, I'm protected, I have the good life, I'm in the palace, you know, I'm privileged, you know, I'm privileged, I'm born with a silver spoon in my mouth, and I, you know, what's, it's not my problem. Unfortunately, people who are not leaders will maybe take that approach, will take the approach, he says that, live for myself, but not Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, when he just grew up a little bit, he goes out and he sees a Jewish man being beaten by an Egyptian. So what is his first reaction? He is not going to stand by idly. And it seems like he wasn't going to become a hero. Nobody is going to sing his praises. He wasn't going to become a hero, but... took a stand. If you see somebody beating up on a Jewish person, a Mitzri beating up, now, forget, we're living in Egypt, the Jews are being enslaved by the Egyptians. He goes and he takes action, he kills the Egyptian. The next day he sees Jewish people fighting with each other. He goes out and he says to the Jewish man, he says, why are you beating up on your friend? Again, he takes action. Could look the other way. You know, in, the, in New York, the police tell you, if you see somebody getting mugged in the train station, just go the other way. Or else, because you don't want to be a, you don't want to be a dead hero. <laughs> don't take, don't, don't get, don't, don't, just say thank you that it doesn't involve you. Everybody should let everybody do. That's why we live in a society where everybody let, let them, let him mug the other person and you stay away. If you're going to get involved, you're going to get shot and killed and that's it. You know, you're going to be a hero, you're going to be a dead hero. They tell you stay away. Moshe Rabbeinu is two p- people fighting. What does he need to uh, get involved with Moshe Rabbeinu? And finally, when he has to run away because uh, Pharaoh is after him, and then he sees that the shepherds are starting up with the girls over there, that they're starting with the daughters of Midian, Again, he takes a stand, and he says, and he saves them from the other shepherds who were harassing. The parsha tells us the qualities of a leader, the qualities of a leader. And like I said before, it also tells us, really, that we need to be sensitive. And I think I spoke about this last year, maybe. But we had at the table, we had one time... Uh, a room full, it was a big, big, a big meal at some point, I don't forget when. And, you know, we go around and we say, everybody say, usually the rabbits and somebody else says, say something. So one of the topics we said, 
Tell us one story that you remember in life that you stood up. That you stood up to the bully, that you stood up to the, well, for what's right, what wasn't popular. You were one of tell us one story where we're going around the table. Tell us one story where you were at risk. And if you opened up your mouth, you could have gotten, you know, washed away as well. And that you stood up for really what you believed is right. You know, we're sitting at a whole table, everybody was thinking and thinking. And finally, one woman raised her hand and she says, you know what? All what I can think of is the time that I did not stand up. <laughs> that I should have stood up. But I wasn't brave enough to stand up. What does this mean? It's not easy to stand up. It's very, very difficult. It's very difficult. It's very difficult in, in, to stand up for yourself, especially in the face of somebody who's a bully, who's somebody who is strong. And chances are that if you stand up, you might be the next victim and you'd rather you know, stay away and not do it. Again, I'm not challenging anybody to tell me when they stood up to a bully. It's a very, very hard thing. And, but when we think about it in our own lives, we have an appreciation for these great men who stood up to governments, to everything, and they, you know, to, for Yiddishkeit and for whatever their beliefs, they didn't yield, they didn't bend. You know, we, we, we have a real respect for them. Moshe Rabbeinu was the leader in that sense. He saw injustice... He saw, he was fighting a whole bunch of, he could have been beaten up also. He didn't know exactly what's going to happen. Pharaoh tried to kill him. Okay, God helped him at the end of the day. But he stood up. It's a very, very difficult thing. So these are all qualities that make a leader. Make a leader are qualities to be able to, number one, be at a high level yourself. The first thing of a real leader is to actually reach greatness. You know, in our days, it's become easy to become a leader. All you got to do is get followers. <laughs> if you get followers, then you become the leader. Now, the question is, it's kind of easier today. It seems like it's easier today to get followers. <laughs> it's easier to get followers. Well, you go, you're following on... On Facebook or on Twitter or whatever, it seems, you know, it's easy. So you get followers, then you become a leader. Everybody follows you. Uh, they follow you and they follow you. Now, what do I mean to say? Because quality of a leader, quality of a leader, the quality of a leader, that is, has become watered down. I'm talking about the leader of Torah, a leader of the Jewish people. I'm talking about a leader of Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm talking about. It's not just somebody, you know, who could impress, knows how to speak, knows how to give a nice drush, knows how to impress people, knows how to manipulate people, knows how to figure out how to make say the right things to the right people, to have people follow him. We're talking about... Moshe Rabbeinu to be circumcised, to be an accomplished person, a great scholar, a righteous person, a great person, inherently a great person. That's, but the second most 
important thing is take your own greatness and use it in a way to protect the other people. Use it in a way to influence. Make the whole house warm. Lead and change around. But also by Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was born, he lit up the house. The house became light. Which really means Moshe Rabbeinu's main focus was not to fight with people. Again, I go back to the Rebbe. The Rebbe, what I saw mostly, was always giving and always kind and always blessing. But when the Rebbe had to fight for something, he fought. He fought like a lion. When Moshe Rabbeinu had to fight, most of the time he brought light into the world. How did we change around? How do we make the world a better place? Is not by shooting people down, not by knocking anybody, is by bringing light, by education, by teaching them, showing them, enlightening them, bringing them up a level to raise them so that they can see something more beautiful, they can see something more important. Give them the soul, give them the neshama, give them the truth, give them the inside. That means to fill the house with light. And when the house fills with light, as we've spoken, the darkness leaves automatically. But when the occasion comes, you see an Egyptian beating up on a Jew, you have to fight. Moshe Rabbeinu fought. You see Jews beating each other. Fight. Tell him, don't do that. Don't do that. That's not a nice thing, not the right thing to do. And then again, when he sees the Egyptians starting up, he has no choice. He has to fight. After all these stories, there's an important lesson. Moshe Rabbeinu comes to the burning bush. He sees the burning bush. He's astonished. He sees it burns and burns. It doesn't burn. It represents, you know, while we do have burning, we have surah sometimes, but we won't be destroyed. It's... Uh, it burns and burns, but it doesn't. It's not going to be destroyed. But over there it says he was afraid Hashem, to look into, to look. He was afraid to look. What was he afraid to look on? Because he saw the burning bush. The burning bush represents the tsaris of the Jewish people, that Jewish people in Egypt the Jewish people in, in exile, the Tsaris, individual people have, people are in a lot of pain for various different things, real, imaginary, people suffer, it's burning, there's a fire going on. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I want to show you why there is suffering in the world. Which means, Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I know that you wonder and you question, what did the Jewish people do to deserve to be in Egypt? To be slaves? To be humiliated? To be put to work like this? To be enslaved? What did they do? 
So you want to know. Hashem says to him, you know what? I'm going to show you. Hashem, what does it mean Hashem is going to show you? I'm going to explain to you so that you can understand and, and comprehend in your mind. Because most of the time, we as human beings don't understand why Hashem does what He does. Why does Hashem do what He does? We don't understand. We can't explain it. But Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you're a leader. You're going to lead me. I am going to explain to you, and now you will understand why the Jews are in Egypt, why this person is suffering, why this person has problems, I'll explain to you. So what did Moshe Rabbeinu say? He was afraid, he says, Hashem, no, I don't want to see. Moshe Rabbeinu said, me as a leader of the Jewish people, if I will understand why there is suffering, then I won't pray for them. Then I won't intercede on their behalf. Then I will accept the suffering because I will understand and I'll have a rationalization why they suffer. So he says, Hashem, don't tell me. Don't explain to me. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, you can know why there is suffering. But Moshe Rabbeinu says, I don't want to know why there is suffering in this world. I don't want to accept it, the suffering in the world. Everything that comes from Hashem is for a good reason. Hashem is the ultimate kindness and ultimate goodness and the ultimate compassion. And then we say to ourselves, so why am I having such a hard time? Why is Hashem not compassionate with me? Why do I have to deal with all these kinds of negativities in my life? This one is interfering and that one is interfering and people seem to... Why do I need this? Why do I deserve this? Why me? Why can't I have a normal why can't I have a normal life and everything just go well and everything should go be the right way? Why do I have to suffer? We don't know the explanation. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I don't want to know, I don't want to know the answer. Because I don't want to justify Hashem. A leader that sees somebody else in pain, or even another person sees somebody else in pain. Shouldn't say like the friends of Eov told to Job, they said to him, You probably did something wrong in your life. <laughs> you, you know. Those were his friends. <laughs> those were his friends. He says, You probably done something wrong in your life that you deserve. You know, you know they were really probably sincere. Maybe they wanted him to get to do tshuva or something. Now, there is one thing for a person to look into his deeds. If you have a problem for yourself, but it's not for another person to justify, that's cruelty. That's against halacha. And the Rambam, you know, this is against halacha to justify God's punishment. I remember the Rebbe was screaming, crying and screaming and saying, some of the people in, 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 in Israel, one of the leading rabbis who was, mis- you know, I... I don't want to get involved to say misguided in the rabbi, but he said, they asked, he says, why did six million Jews killed by the Nazis? Because the Jews, there were some non-religious Jews. 
justifying this horrible, horrible, unthinkable atrocities and suffering of the Jewish people, justifying it by some sort of, uh, and Rebbe screaming, he says, how could you justify, how could you justify? You're supposed to scream out to Hashem. Besides that, the wrong, wrong, wrong hundred times the Jews were, was many of them were, we would never reach the level of holiness and purity and closeness to Hashem the way we were in the times of the Holocaust, the way they served Hashem. We are to judge them that they weren't religious. And even those people in Israel that say that the calamities, that people get killed because of, uh, of, uh, you know, of a problem, you know, right away they jump. They know right away why the people are killed, why there's a terrorist attack. They blame the victims, you know, somehow. That is not to say that we need to strengthen ourselves in Yiddishkeit, but don't justify Tzoros on a Jew. Yeah, go ahead. Someone said to me today, you, you know, the killing that was done with the three people who were killed a couple of years ago. Anyhow. The, the kids. Board, the kids. Uh, the three. ones who, you know, in the bakery, you know, the terrorists came in right. and they shot in the India. one right, right oh, there of Shabbos. Yeah, in Paris. Paris. In Paris. Oh, Paris. Anyhow, some cobbler said, well, you know, they were, well, I mean, looked in to it as deep as they could and said that there were three souls that needed to go to the next world together. It gave some kind of explanation and I would imagine that in some level we get sort of a little um, relief from that. But that's not saying they deserved it. That's different than saying oh, okay. that they did something yeah. to deserve that's it. That's true. That's true. So I'm just wondering if you have any comment about a Kabbalist who will make some kind of um, statement like that. I cannot, I cannot judge the Kabbalist. I don't know. Maybe he knows. I mean, generally speaking, generally speaking, just it's just me. But don't, don't. Uh, yeah. I'm skeptic. Yeah. I'm a skeptic. You know. I mean, that's what I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to jump. I don't know who the Kabbalist. I don't know what his credentials are. And I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I'll tell you. <laughs> it was once one of the uh, rebbes. You know, um, he. Um, the news, it was actually on the news. I remember when I was, uh, when I was still, uh, I think I was still a bachar, still before I was married. There was some news that was coming out that there were like three leading rabbis. I mean, you don't know if it's true or not true, but this was the talk. The three leading rabbis stated that Mashiach is going to come tomorrow, whatever. They said at a certain date that Mashiach is going to come. They dreamt that all had the same exact dream. It was sort of made the news. So they came to this other Rebbe, they came to the Gera Rebbe, they told him about, uh, they heard the Kabbalah said that this, uh, they said it. He says, I would suggest to them, they sleep a little less or they'll dream less. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, these are things that are secrets of the, huh? You know, because we're looking for answers. Yes. We're no, no. But, but, in general for answers that we don't, you know, but we're, it's, it's very different to say, you to know, justify like, our well, just, sin, to yeah. say, well, to say, to justify by saying heaven needs more angels, that's very different than saying these people were bad and right. did something wrong and that's why it happened. I mean, that's, yeah. that because that's hurtful. The yeah. other way can actually, like you said, we're, you feel better. We, we definitely, I think, we are not as human beings. We are not. We were just saying is what Hashem did, Hashem Nasan, Hashem Lokachi, Hashem Hashem God has given, God has taken, may the name of the Lord be blessed, which basically means that we don't understand. We don't say 
Hashem is given, and you know what? And, 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 we, we don't know. Hashem is given a gun, is taken. Why Hashem allows these things? Would be Hashem. Is there could be a Kabbalah? You know, of course, you know, the Kabbalah, they explain the soul of Yosef with the Asura Ruga Malchus. You know, the ten greatest sages were killed a murderous death by the Romans. And it says that those were the souls of the reincarnation of the ten brothers, and that was their punishment for selling. So there is, in the Kabbalah, there is a lot of stuff going on that we don't know uh, on the simple level. So, of course, that's true. Whether somebody figured out what was the spiritual behind it, maybe yes, maybe no, I don't know, I don't know, depending on the person. But it's different uh, coming to somebody especially. Yeah giving them at the time of their... Mm-hmm. But that, that's prohibited, actually. That's prohibited mm-hmm. to tell a person that would be insensitive mm-hmm. and that would be not caring and that would be hurtful to the person. Mm-hmm. And one is not allowed to do that. However, a person should never take what happens to them in their lives just as a chance. A person should always, themselves, one should always learn and say... Why did Hashem bring this to me? Maybe I need to better myself. Or as a Jewish people, let's do things better. Instead of saying we deserve a punishment, let's figure out how we can better ourselves so we can better our situation. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens by chance. And of course, we have the ability, even if there is a decree, even if there is a, uh, from Hashem, something that needs to happen, we have the ability to change, to enhance it, to do it better. And that we should do. We must do that. It would be prohibited to just say, by chance, the terrorists can do whatever they want. It's not under the hands of Hashem. So why Hashem does it, though, we can't explain. We can't explain the Holocaust. We can't explain anything else we can't explain. But but that's one explanation in the thing that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to. Uh, and, uh, which also goes with the other thing is, which Hashem said... Uh, he told him, remove your shoes when you're going over there. He says, Shal no lecha What is shoes? Shoes protect your feet. So what happens is, when you're walking on the ground, right, so you don't feel the pebbles, you don't feel the stones in the rock, so you feel comfortable, you're insulated. Hashem tells him as a leader, Shal no lecha You have to remove your shoes. In other words, you have to feel your people. You can't be separate. You can't be... Insulated. You must be there with your people. You must feel their pain. You must realize you must be with them. And when you're with them, that is when you can really lead your people. We have an interesting story in the Gemara. There's many, many stories in the Gemara, which there was a a, a, a rabbi who was a great, great scholar. He was very, very poor. And it was a whole incident. There was a whole... Uh, Think over there that he had yeah, the, the great rabbi insulted that other rabbi, the one the leader insulted the other rabbi. Eventually, he wanted to ask him forgiveness because he insulted him. He realized, so he goes to his house. He sees a broken down house, and he wants to ask him forgiveness. But he came to his house. He sees really a shack over there. It was like the the walls were black, and it was like very very poor. And he, and he was surprised at the level of, 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 of how poor the man was. And uh, so he says to him, Oh, uh, woe to the Torah. Like it's living in such, such a shackle, such a, such a place. 
And the other rabbi, the one who was insulted, who is coming now to ask him forgiveness, says to him, Woe to the people that their leaders don't know the situation of what the students or what the other rabbis are going through, their real lifestyle. He says, you have no idea what we are really going through, how the hardships and the difficulties and everything that we go through. He says, if these are our leaders, he says, woe to us that these are our leaders that keep their shoes on, they live their their good life, they leave it insulated, and they don't feel the pain, and they don't participate, and they're not there for the other people. But that's a key to understanding what made Moshe Rabbeinu special. God, Shem is telling you, remove the shoes, and Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know what, I have to feel for my people. And what happens at the end of the parsha? what happens? Things seem to be going downhill. Seems to seems to be going downhill. Moshe Rabbeinu first he tries this and the other thing. Intervenes. God says to him, "Go to Pharaoh." So another very important point is Moshe Rabbeinu was worried that the Jews weren't going to believe him. He says to Hashem, "They're not going to believe him." They're sitting enslaved, they're not going to believe me, and they're not going to say, God didn't send you. The whole Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to get out of it and saying, Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu's main, you know, I always say, what do they call today? They say, you run for office. You don't walk for office. You run for office. You're running. You run for office. Moshe Rabbeinu was running away from office. He wasn't running fully off. He was running away. Hashem says, you run away, then you're the leader. That's the real leader. You never see... A leader that is running to be a leader, that already is the first sign that he's not a real leader. A real leader takes the responsibility seriously, knows, understands. If he's a leader that just wants to be famous, he wants to do things, he wants to control other people, he wants to uh, have whatever he's trying to achieve, he has goals, agendas for himself, that's not a leader. But Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, please, send somebody else, send somebody else. Hashem says, no, no, this is the leader I want. You know, there's sometimes, you know, making a meeting. She's looking for people. So people say, you know, I'm on so many, I'm on so many meetings already. Get somebody who's not. No, he says, no, no. I I want the people that are going to all the meetings. They're the people that do something. Those those who don't go to any meetings, uh, those those people don't do anything. <laughs> we want the people that are busy, that are doing things, you know, those are the doers. So the one that run away from it, they're not looking for it they have to be drafted they have to be pushed Moshe Rabbeinu was pushing against it and the more he was pushing against it Hashem says, no, you are the one but Moshe Rabbeinu he believed in Hashem, he saw all this he didn't know what the um, what the Jews are going to say and you know what, I think this is such an important lesson we as leaders or a lot of times we have a message to share, myself included. You know, sometimes we're afraid to say something, you know. If you meet somebody, we're afraid to tell them about Yiddishkeit. What are they going to look at you? They're going to get offended, you know. I mean, and, 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 and you hesitate, you know. You hesitate and you say you're afraid, you know, to tell them oh, there's only one God that we believe in. There is only, there's mitzvahs, there's Hashem. 
or whatever message you have, and then you sort of hesitate because you think that the person will look at you strange or funny. They're not, so they'll believe you. They'll believe you. Just speak the words of the truth. They'll believe you. The Jewish people believed. But what happens? They believed and they went along with Moshe Rabbeinu's plan. But when Moshe Rabbeinu comes to Pharaoh and he tells him to let the Jewish people go, and again, other people that went with Moshe Rabbeinu, slowly but surely, everybody disappeared. It was Moshe alone that comes into Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, you want to go free? It means you're not working hard enough. You have time for thinking all of these Foolishness, you know, nirpim atem nirpim, you're just lazy. I'm going to have to make the work a little bit harder, and then you will not have any time or space in your minds to think about foolishness about going free. And he takes away, he doesn't give them any more uh, destroy, and they have to go collect. It was just a, a hard situation. So, again, what is Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu could say, Hashem, you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. That's your... But Moshe Rabbeinu, as a true leader, comes and screams to Hashem. To Hashem, he says, Why did you do this to these people? He doesn't accept it. He says, Why did you do... Why did you make it bad for them? You made it worse. Why did you send me? He made it worse for these people. He didn't save your people. Why did you send me? Hashem says to him, Now you will see. Moshe Torah is not telling us to try to find fault with Moshe Rabbeinu. The Torah is telling us what a leader is. That same Moshe Rabbeinu who was born circumcised, that the house was filled with light, that didn't want to see other people understand why people suffer. He didn't want to, he removed his shoes to be sensitive to people. He took on the Mitzri, he took on the Egyptian, he took on the Jews who were fighting, he took on the shepherds. The same person took on Hashem also. <laughs> And he says, Hashem, why do you do this to my people? Why do you do this to my people? That's why Hashem chose him. Because he speaks up to Hashem. And it almost seems like Hashem doesn't need Moshe to tell him. But this is the process that Hashem says to him, I want you to cry out to me, and then I will show you. Moshe Rabbeinu had to hear a Moshe Rabbeinu was mostly intellectually connected with Hashem. So notwithstanding all of his leadership, but he gave us all the Torah, the Torah is intellect. He was mostly intellectually connected with Hashem. So from Moshe Rabbeinu's perspective, from his intellect, he didn't understand in his intellect. But we know that the intellect has to be based on emuna, on belief. So Moshe Rabbeinu at the end, employs both things. His intellect, he screams to Hashem, doesn't shake his intellect, but he also knows that Hashem is right and he believes that Hashem will do it. But while he believes, he still has to yell out to Hashem. 
And this explains, you know, some people say, why the Rebbe used to say, we have to ask, scream for Mashiach. Other people say, Hashem knows when to bring Mashiach. He'll bring Mashiach when it's right. What do I, do I have to tell Hashem when to bring Mashiach? Does the Rebbe have to tell us that we should scream for Mashiach? Pasuk says, that we scream out. Why do we have to scream for Mashiach? He'll come when he comes. We'll say, Animamin, we believe in Mashiach. And then he'll come when he comes. But Moshe Rabbeinu yells out because he feels the pain and the suffering of the Golos and all of the exile, what we're going through. And as real leader doesn't want to weigh that. That is what the Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's also in our leadership. We should be our own little leaders, scream out to Hashem and say, enough suffering for other people. But you know what? One of the way to help yourself of your own situation is by screaming out for another Jew, by seeing another person who having a problem, by trying to help them, and screaming to Hashem and say, Hashem, help the other person. That's the way he actually is going to help yourself too. So we have to be compassionate and we have to be sensitive. We have to be crying out to Hashem and saying, when there is a terrorist attack, when there is in Paris or in Israel or wherever it may be, when any time there is a difficulty, or when you have a, a neighbor who's going through a hardship, and when you have a, a friend that is have health issues, whatever it is, you must scream to Hashem and say, Hashem, help that person. And when you say to Hashem, help that person, then the Ibrishter helps you as well. And that's what makes us as Jewish people together, that we care about each other, we're there for each other, and hopefully we'll see the redemption, like in Egypt after all the pain, all the suffering, eventually we will come out victorious, Am Yisrael Chai, and Hashem will have pity and mercy on us, and bring us Mashiach, solve all of our problems from all of our issues that we have, and it'll be only goodness and kindness the world will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem.